common sense can be uncommon at work. It's simple to be difficult, but it's difficult to be simple. Offense is the best defense. Let's not live under fear. Let's just go at it and we survive or, and, or we thrive. Hello, my name is Sarajit Kanungo and you are listening to Tech Legacy Podcast. Welcome to the Tech Legacies video podcast. My name is Fanny Dunnigan and I'm the host of the show where every week we come to you sharing the advice, tips and lessons from tech executives to help you grow your career in the tech industry. So welcome everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Today we have our guest, the president of CG Infinity, Sarjeet Kanungo. How are you, Sarjeet? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's always good to see you, Fanny. Yes. I, we were just reflecting about how many years we've known each other. Yep. And it's since 2019. Yep. yep. Over three years. Yeah. We survived and <laughs> thrived through the pandemic. We did. Yeah. And I watched you open more and more offices across the U.S. Yep. And that includes already your existing India offices. Yep. How many employees do you have now? Well, we have 170 employees in the U.S. here and 260 in India, wow. New Delhi, India. So that makes it close to 425, 430. Yeah. But we expect to cross 500 by probably March of next year. Wow. Yep. So throughout that journey, what would you say was kind of like the best advice that helped you build your business? Yeah, so I think offense is the best defense. Mm. Okay. Um, and that was, that, that was on the forefront of our minds and uh, it was not going to be any helpful to be defensive. So we decided the entire company base, everybody decided to let's not live under fear. Let's just go at it and uh, either we survive or, and, or we thrive. So, you know, history tells us that we thrived, we thrived pretty good. Mm. What do you mean by being offensive versus defensive? Can you expand on that just a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, look, every one of us, we deal with our own fears, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the issue with having fear um, overpower your uh, actions is going to be, you're going to be defensive. So, for example, in terms of business, um, we could have planned for a reduction in force. We could have planned like, okay, who are our core customer base and we're going to stick to them and have a smaller uh, workforce and wither the storm and uh, give it three months or six months, whatever it takes, and then we will try to pick it back again. I think the entire company decided to um, not affect a single uh, employee's job 
the six, seven percent executive team decided to not take pay for six months. And so that we have the, we have the firepower we need to hold our employees. But amazing thing happened. We did not expect that, that the employees saw what the executives are doing. So the, if they were working at their 100% capacity, they started working their 120% capacity. And our customers saw, and we started to even acquire a few customers, not many. But during pandemic, our customers spent more money with us. I think that's primarily because of our employees taking an offensive stand that we're not going to live under fear of losing our job. We're going to do extra and offer extra services to our, our customers. And the customer reciprocated by spending more money with us. So we kept growing every month for almost 36 to 40 months. And we made money every month. Because you took a really bold move during the pandemic. Yep. You <laughs> invested in a huge building. Yeah. When everybody else was pulling out of their commercial leases. Yep. But you decided to buy a building in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Why? Well, you know, so, you know, the, the story that I just told you being offensive, um, you started to we started to see results of being offensive. So we are in a crossroad. Our company was growing and we're going to sign probably another bigger lease. And when I looked at the economics of build versus lease, sorry, buy versus lease, um, you know, a lot of intangible factors like we spent eight to 10 hours of most active part of our day in the office. So mm, why we spent time in uh, a space where it is owned by somebody else, you know, let's just, uh, we're doing well, let's just call it our home. And so that was the, that was the biggest reason. The second biggest reason is you know, we are a company made up of people and our community, right? And we also wanted to offer a space for our communities like DFW, ATW, and SIM DFW, offer our home for them to undertake their meetings, either monthly meetings or board meetings, whatever they want to. And that was, uh, that was the two biggest reason that why I decided to uh, go this unorthodox move. And it, I mean, it certainly paid off now because I've attended numerous events at CG Infinity, uh, ATW, like you said, the associations. I see you guys do lunch and learns, all hands meetings. Yeah. And that's evident now. But how did you have the faith back then when it was unproven and you had no idea of what would come out the other side of the pandemic because yeah. you did that in the middle of it when things were still uncertain yeah well you know this is no 
I always try to give the example of Bucky's. You know, many of people outside of Texas may not know what Bucky's is, yeah. but Bucky's is in in an really an unconventional idea. You know, everybody knows what Seven Eleven gas station looks like. You know, very small. Um, place, you know, maybe a dozen gas pumps and, you know, a convenience store. And here comes this idea of Bucky's. You have a million square foot uh, convenience store and hundreds of pumps, right? And so, uh, but everybody knows that's a gigantic success. So there was a part of it was very clear to me was that if you build, they will come. And so, and I was watching Bucky's and then we have a, you know, I have a friend, you know, uh, those guys also, Andrew Jackson uh, at Bravo Tech. He's been very kind to our community by offering his office space for the last two decades. I used to be at his offices attending, you know, probably four to six networking meetings a month for 20 years. And, you know, Andrew decided after doing such a long uh, community service to our tech community in DFW that they are going to go try and go 100% remote. So I saw that uh, as an opportunity to take the torch uh, and offer the same option to our tech community in DFW. Make it a destination. Absolutely. Like Bucky's is a tourist destination now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Did you always have this boldness and faith, Sarjeet? Or did you have, what would you say is like the, a low point in your career and, and how you got out of it? Yeah, um, so, you know, the... I, you know, like everybody, I had my low point in my life and my career actually has been up and up and up, um, you know, for the last 30 years. So I'll, I'll give you two examples. The lowest point of my life was, you know, I was always on the top of the class. I grew up in India and I went to a very prestigious uh, university after I graduated high school and I developed a sense of uh, in, uh, that you know I can spend two hours studying and still maintain my grades but a year and a half later I crashed uh, on my face and it took me a year and a half to pick myself back up um, and and I've never looked back from then but I'll talk to you about, there was a turning point in my career. Um, I, was, I was a very, probably one of the hardest working person in any working environment. Uh, I tried to make it uh, the same even today, but I was, um, I was very focused on work and didn't focus on networking at all. And um, I read a book probably 20 some years ago. It's called Never Eat Alone. And it's written by 
you know, one of the very senior partner at Deloitte at that point of time, Keith Ferrazzi. And oh, yes. that, was, that was the turning point for my career. Um, I became almost, if I want to stereotype, being an introvert and always on the desk, eating lunch at the desk. You can't, I can't eat lunch on my desk anymore. Mm. So, so the boldness slowly came from mingling with other people, watching them, observing them, and I love to tell you it was an overnight flip of a switch. No, it was not, but it was gradual, and uh, it just I become a person from a very risk averse to a very comfortable in taking risk and accepting failure as a next step to success, rather than you know keep watching the rear view mirror and driving while driving the car. So I've become, I look at the windshield when I drive the car. Occasionally I'll look at the rear view mirror, but maybe less than 5% of the time. I want to dive a little deeper into that comment you made about when you were in university, right? You said it took you over a year to pick yourself back up. Was there something that was the turning point or was it something you said to yourself or was mindset shift what was it that got you to to start picking yourself up after that failure yeah uh, so it was a long time ago um i'll i'll tell you you know i as as long as i know i've always been an ambitious person i whatever i do i want to be in the top 10% of my profession so where does that come from um i think that comes from my father um absolutely um and you know a little bit of the environment that i grew up in india you know there are probably for one job, there are probably 20,000 applicants. So how do you make sure that you uh, distinguish yourself from the crowd? Okay, so that was, you know, the basic thing was survival and maintaining a, an average lifestyle. But that's probably what drove, drove the ambition. And when I saw that the, the frame that I had for my life is, uh, is uh, in doubt, that's the time I started to realize that I think I've come to the lowest point I could. And if I don't do something, I think my rest of life is going to be meaningless to myself. And that realization was, um, self-realization was the best realization. I was so proud of my parents. They did not try to show me the mirror. And they were always there uh, to, to support me. Mm, but... I don't think I have ever uh, remember a single instance that m my dad, who used to be a you know a taskmaster when I was younger, 
uh, chastised me or trying to make me feel worse than I was feeling myself. So very grateful for that. So. Speaking of fatherhood, you're a father of three sons. Yeah. Would are you adopting the same philosophies with them that you got as a child or has your thinking changed over the decades? Yeah, lots of, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm carrying some of the um, legacies that by which my dad grew me up, um, but I also uh, metamorphed some of the uh, some of the legacies that I'm getting from people here in this country. Uh, I'm a big fan of hanging out with, uh, you know, people who are older than me and have raised kids and I look up to them, how they become good fathers. So, so you know, I've, I've developed my own set of theories, but to be honest with you, it it keeps changing. I'll give you one example, Please. right? So um, I remember when my kids were younger, they're in elementary school and middle school, I'm like, yeah, sports is a waste of time. I, you know, it's... My, my parents said the same thing to yeah, me. <laughs> you know, sports is a waste. My wife would take them to play soccer, play tennis and play this. And I'm like, you're wasting your time. You know, we're smaller frame people. We're not gonna be successful. Like, they need to go be on the top of their class. Their GPA should be on the top 2% of the class, right? And boy, was I wrong. Um, you know, it, it's amazing to me. Um, yes, there are some statistical truth to that, that you know, there are less than 1% of the people, uh, kids who play football end up in NFL and make a decent living, right? So stats are true, but what I've realized that sports teach us way more than, you know, just to make a living. So, so I've, I've become a big fan of that. Um, I also used to believe that a, you know, a kid needs to figure out very early, maybe when they're 10 year old, what they want to be, and then pursue that specialization, whether it's a, being a doctor or being an engineer or a computer programmer, uh, but they need to follow that. And I've become, I don't say a complete opposite of that, but I believe that we should all figure out what is the purpose and we should chase our passion, change, you know, turn our purpose into passion and, and chase our passion. And so what if we are not successful, then we, we soul search and, you know, see what our heart tells. So, um, you know, I don't have a crystal ball like how we should raise our kids, but I will tell you that I've become more open-minded about learning and helping kids to grow rather than being, you know, in, in what in our industry you will call it a waterfall. I think we've, we've become more agile in, in raising kids than 
<laughs> Spoken like a technologist. Yep. Agile methodology for raising kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to pause real quick here and give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, CG Infinity. I've worked with them for several years now, and I can truly say that they have one of the best workplace cultures that I've ever experienced. And they specialize in a variety of industries, especially energy, utilities, and financial services. And they serve them through their Salesforce, cloud, as well as customer experience services. So thank you, CG Infinity and I hope you'll support them as they have supported us here at the podcast. We're both Americans, yep, right? Yep. But you're of Indian descent, yep. I'm of Chinese descent. Yep. And growing up, the words follow your passion would have never come out of our parents' yep. mouths. Never. Never. Yep. Yep. Why do you think we can afford to to be that now and and to open our minds now yeah i think um, the first thing i will say why we should be open is that it's not about us it's about the kid mm -hmm. right it's um you know sometimes we tend to um we tend to suggest our kids sometimes maybe our own dreams or on fulfilled or unfulfilled, we try to um, unconsciously, unintentionally give it to them. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll share this with you. My, my youngest son, who's just turned 18, he wants to be a nurse. Like, if he announced that to me 15 years ago, uh, my first reaction would be, are you crazy? Should be a doctor. It takes the same amount of effort to be a doctor than to be a nurse but the you know my reaction has been i love it is that how do you know you want to do that have you spent some time at a hospital and helped a nurse do you know what a nurse does so so my reactions have been finding in my network who is a nurse that mm -hmm. have him interact with the nurse. And he found himself a volunteering position at a local hospital and uh, actually went spent six weeks during this summer. And my wife and I have been supporting him with that so that he gets, he just doesn't have an idea, but he got to experience and then make the decision, right? Is he still going to yeah. want to be a nurse? But I think it's a wonderful thing that, um, that people have an opportunity to do what they want to do. Um, you know, in, in the early stage of my career, you know, very goal orientation, destination orientation, but I have become a journey guy. Uh, I mean, I'm, I talk about, it's all about the journey, not destination. Yeah, destination could help us, you know, figuring out where we want to be in the next two years, three years, but we all need to enjoy the journey. If we don't enjoy the journey, then I think 
the life becomes very frustrating and very monotonous and we don't we don't get the firepower we need to achieve what we all want to achieve in our lives I see that in how you're building your company too absolutely uh, obviously your tagline is people first yeah. driven to transform right but it's that first piece the the people first and I I want to address a, a stereotype, I think, yep. that people typically have around um, companies that might have an offshore Indian office. Yep. Right? There's this stigma that you send it over and then it's built and then there's automation, efficiency, low costs, done. End of conversation. Yep. But I'm watching you build a brand where you're uh, empowering your employees across U.S., across India, to share their passions. Um, you have a machine learning expert that's talking about playing the guitar and reading books and art and creativity and equating creativity to programming. And, and so I'm watching that and it's, what an, how did you get there? How did you get to the point where it was okay to just let people do that? Yeah, you know this is a this is a topic of very deep interest to me, and we could talk on this topic in multiple dimensions. So let me just try out some of the simpler thoughts. Um, one of the there are a couple of things that that I have become a big fan of. One is uh, Common sense can be uncommon at work. Common sense can be uncommon at, at work. work. Yeah. The second thing is, it's explain that though before you get to. Speak. Yeah. So, and I think you will get the answer to uh, to the question when I'm going to answer your original question. The the second thing is. It's simple to be difficult, but it's difficult to be simple, mm. okay? And so these are the two driving forces for me to, to really continue to rethink about our business. What is our business? CG Infinity business is nothing without our people, okay? So I had two choices. I, I could hire some agencies and spend millions of dollars and invest in the CG Infinity brand. And that's the, you know, that's the common thing to do, right? Because there are hundreds of good companies are doing it. Accenture is doing it. Deloitte is doing it. And many others we know they are doing it. But the reason I say common sense is uncommon is the common sense when I think about, when I think commonsensically about our business, our business is our people. But unfortunately, those assets are not on, on my balance sheet, okay? They're, you know, they're walking away from my balance sheet every evening and they are deciding to come back next morning or not, okay? 
So to me, the common thing to do is or oh, keep keep spending millions of dollars and 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 you know give CG Infinity brand a lift. I think the commonsensical thing to do is our customers are buying because of the amazing people we have, because they they give their 100% every day to make a difference to our customers' business. They also help each other, whether I tell them to help each other or not. So, so why the, the commonsensical thing, which is uncommon in the marketplace, to do is elevate these wonderful people, their personal brand. And I think if you, you must have seen in last three years, because we are elevating our people's brand, people are noticing our brand too. Yes. Okay? And so that's why I say common sense is uncommon. And the other reason I say it's simple to be difficult and difficult to be simple is because the simpler thing to do is hire and build a marketing department, build a, a higher and reputed agency. That's the simpler thing, but it's a difficult task to lift a brand. Mm -hmm. And but a difficult thing is how do we help elevate hundreds of amazing people we have their brands? Is is you know it's a, it's a difficult idea, but can be done. Takes longer, um, so that's you know that's the one that it just try to not follow the conventional wisdom because I do believe that common sense often is uncommon. Was it difficult? building teams like that and finding people like that? It's always difficult because um, we all know the shortage in tech talent. Okay? What is even more difficult is tech talent with skills and attitude. That's like finding needle in the haystack. Yeah. So. So our, uh, uh, it's always difficult, it has been and it will be as long as our industry is thriving, okay? So what we try to strike a balance between, we find a needle in a haystack, experienced leaders, tech leaders in our industry, and then you must have seen that we are very deliberate about growing people in that mold, right? So it's, a, it's part acquisition, but part growing our own people. Um, that still is the biggest challenge we have uh, for our business, but there are probably hundreds of people in our company that they're absolutely waking up every day and going to bed every day thinking about that, how to, uh, how to make, uh, tackle this challenge and create a big opportunity for us. And in a way, when you feature them, it just attracts more people like them. 
also. It's absolutely true. Uh, so, you know, another unconventional thing is um, you, you look at our competitors and look at their recruiting department, it feels like an army. And our recruiting department uh, is probably three incredible uh, people, but they're producing more uh, results in terms of quality and quantity than our competitors. And the reason being, there are probably 100 recruiters like me. Yeah. We are having breakfast with somebody, we are having lunch with somebody, or coffee, or having, having a drink. And so I, I say that we have hundreds of part-time recruiters, and we don't, we don't pay them for recruiting, but it's been very, when you look at the, the KPIs, it's off the chart. Every employee is a CG ambassador, basically. That's exactly, very well said, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. How do you want to be remembered? This show is called Tech Legacies. Right, Sarjeet, and does it have something to do with, I mean, you're working on a, well, you not working on, you've published we a did. book. We did, absolutely. Right. The founder and I, we just published a book called Demystifying IT. Uh, it's a very brief summary of some of the amazing uh, companies that we help uh, in their journey to let technology um, drive a competitive advantage for their respective businesses, and it's published, it's everywhere now. So. What would be a big myth that came out of that book? Uh, <clears throat> the, big, the big myth is that it it's a lot harder than it seemed to write a book. It's, it's maybe easier to write a book, but to convey so that what we convey, our message is making an impact to the reader, that's way harder than we anticipated. We thought we'll be done right. It's all in our brains and we'll be done writing this book and six months and took two and a half years. Yeah, so, um, yeah. you know. It's we'll, difficult to be simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is difficult to be simple. Thank you for saying that. But uh, what, what did you have to demystify in the book itself? Yeah. IT. Yeah. Great question. You know, there are, there are many things, but I'll tell you the biggest uh, um, reason why we wrote the book is, you know, people talk about big companies. You know, people talk about Amazon all the time, Tesla and Ford Motor, General Motors. They're amazing company. They're a big part of our thriving economy. But often what is not told is that two-thirds of the employment in this economy are generated by not Fortune 1000 companies. But so 
So we wanted to we wanted to handpick, you know, few of the unsung heroes, what I call it, a mid-sized companies, and to inspire the other mid-sized companies that you know, hey, don't get intimidated by. Well, you know, Amazon is a tech company or a retail company, or Netflix is a tech company or a retail company. With the advent of cloud technologies today, you can also go and digitize your business and build competitive advantage. So it's the this the stories of the businesses they have, you know. You don't know, not many of us knows, know about them, but their stories are incredibly important and we wanted to tell their stories. You talk a lot about passions today, right? And you have a very uncommon hobby, Sarjeet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell us about your hobby. Oh yeah. So, you know, um, as as we are preparing ourselves, my wife and I are preparing ourselves to be empty nesters. So, we're also starting to pick up different hobbies. So, one of the hobby I picked up a year ago is beekeeping. Um, you know, it, it's it's. It, it was actually brewing in my mind for last 10 years. My wife is a gardener and she helps in our uh, city community garden. You know, she's been a gardener for over a decade now. And I learned through some conversation with her that, hey, we, we don't have enough bees in our environment. So the idea has been brewing in my head and somehow I find an opportunity to to dive in and become a beekeeper a year ago and it's been a blast for many reasons right you know people will ask me oh have you harvested honey yes finally I have harvested honey more honey than I could handle I didn't get a bottle but Sarji we, we will change that <laughs> Uh, we'll change yeah. that. We yeah, we did harvest, but I think the the biggest uh, satisfaction out of this experience for last year or so has been watching this hundreds of thousands of bee colony. Mm -hmm. One colony could have I don't know sixty thousand to hundred thousand bees, and how they are how organized they are, talk about division of labor and how relentless they are into achieve what they want to achieve. And um, it's just an amazing experience. It's like, you know, when I open up a hive, I'm probably working on them for a couple of hours. I'm in a different world. I'm completely disconnected, discharged from my you know, my main uh, worries and my work. And I find it very refreshing when I getting to start um, back at, you know, thinking about the business on Sunday night and Monday mornings. I feel completely disconnected. That's the number one. Number two is it, 
it gives me immense pleasure that I'm contributing a little bit to the environment. Uh, uh, so, so, you know, those feelings are way more important to me than the feeling of disconnecting and do, finding my own way of meditation. And, and so that I, I come back and more productive and more creative thinker about our business, our team, our customers. Wow. As we wrap up, I'd love to finish off with a question around your tips and advice of community building. Yeah. Because I see you do it through people, through associations, through bees. <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah, if you could give us a final piece of advice about building community. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll um, here is what I think about. Um, I think, uh, you know, the good thing that, you know, in our business or in community, we are somewhat obsessed, little obsessed about scale. But in terms of community building, I try to think a little differently. Um, you know, yes, I would like to figure out a way how there could be thousand kids from high school and get certified in, say, a technology like Salesforce, right? Well, um, that's important, and, and we do that. What I'm obsessed about, you know, picking a smaller part of our community, smaller community members, and teaching them how to fish rather than offering them to fish, okay? Um, and I, I try to do that um, every so often. People ask me, what is the, what gives you most joy in your job? I'll tell you, you know, I mean, if you look at the stats, I'm very proud of the stat, like, you know, how many times we have been on Inc. 5000 list, best place to work. Those are amazing things. But, you know, what is the best part of my joy in a job like mine is that I can tell you probably there are a dozen uh, instances where somebody could be a homeless high school dropout and I had something to do with that person becoming uh, one of the best DevOps engineer and making hundreds of thousands of uh, salary today in a matter of eight to 10 years. I think, I think what, I'm, what, my, what I'm obsessed about and I would influence others to do is find a smaller number of people in the community who are the best candidate to learn how to fish and go fish. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so there is, there is a beauty in, in doing that, then we are actually somewhat changing lives for them, even though the numbers are not staggering. Yeah. Um, so that's- One person at a time. One person at a time, thank you. Thank you, Sarajit. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. What a great, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. So I hope that we have taught you how to fish in this show and episode. And 
definitely, hopefully, that we have taught you to grow your tech career as well. So thank you for tuning in to Tech Legacies. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, as well as subscribe to our podcasts on Apple and Spotify and the other podcasting channels. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And we so appreciate you. See you next time. At Tech Legacies, we're all about helping technology professionals grow and succeed in their careers by sharing the advice of top technology executives. If you're looking to take your career to the next level and become a technology executive yourself, we have an exciting program to tell you about. It's called the Tech CXO Excellence Program by Tech CXO Launchpad, and they are our partners. They're offering an immersive, multimodal program developed and taught by current and former CIOs and CTOs who are passionate about building the next generation of C-suite technology executives. And you'll experience a full immersion into the C-suite world and also get to collaborate, network, and experience capstone-style projects with other professionals. And this is all while benefiting from face-to-face -face interactions in person with industry guest speakers. It is exclusively for a new level of C-suite executives and C-level direct reports and second directs who are earmarked for succession planning and career growth. To join their waitlist, register your interests at www.techcxolaunchpad.com. That's techcxolaunchpad.com. This program has everything you need to take your career to the next level.